Thanks for joining us for another inspiring message from Elevate Church in Perth, Australia. For more information about Elevate Church or to contact us, head to our website, elevatechurch.me and take us wherever you go by downloading our Elevate Church AU app, available wherever you download your apps. Well, good morning, Elevate Church. And a shout out to our people listening around the world on our podcast. Uh, Last month, Spain moved up to number five in terms of countries. So hola to all of our uh, Spanish muchachos listening on the podcast. And get this, Canada entered the top 10 in terms of our global audience. Yes, I said Canada. And you think that I don't know that it's wrong, but it's actually me looking at you if you don't say Canadian, because I'll prove it. Let's play a little game I like to call finish this sentence. Australians are from Australia, so Canadians are from... No, see, you don't... You, 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 listen, Justin Trudeau, I hope you're listening. You can't have it both ways. You either call yourselves Canadians from Canada... Or Canadians from Canada. Anyway, it's really all I had to say this morning, so uh, we're done. <laughs> hey, before we get into today's fourth and final installment of our series, The Good Work, I just want to let you know that next week we're launching a brand new series, and I'm incredibly excited about this series. The series is all about managing your emotions. So if you don't manage your emotions and instead you let your man- emotions manage you, it will be one of the fastest ways for you to derail your destiny. Because God has given us emotions and when used appropriately and used in a way that's going to honor Him and further what He's called us to do, they're powerful. And yet, when they manage us, they're also powerful but they tend to kick us in the wrong direction. This series is called You're Not the Boss of Me, and uh, we'll launch that next week. Now, I know that none of you have any issues managing your emotions, but if you know somebody, then this series is for them. So you can bring a friend, you say, oh, just just asking for a friend, and uh, we're going to teach a series for your friend launching next week. But our fourth episode of The Good Work, uh, we want to cover that off today. And this series has a big idea, simply put, You were born on purpose for a purpose. And a lot of people live hopeless lives because they don't have a sense of purpose. Then then getting this idea that you were born on purpose, God didn't mean for that to cripple you or overwhelm you or cause you to kind of be uh, stuck like a deer in the headlights, but rather to say there's something out there. There's something God's called you to. There's something God has said. You were born for such a time as this. You were born here. You were born on this earth. You're now living in Perth. These are all reasons. These are all things God wants to use and, and cause you to do the good work that He's called you to do. So in the spirit of Netflix, let me recap. Previously on The Good Work, uh, week one... We taught a message called Be Moved. And what had happened is there's a guy named Nehemiah and he's working in the the palace of the king of Persia about 1,500 kilometers away from Jerusalem. Now, the, the home of his ancestors, the city of his ancestors was Jerusalem. 
He was now living 1,500 kilometers away. And Jerusalem and the, and the Israelites had gone through a whole kind of thing where the Babylonians had come in, taken them captive from Jerusalem, leveled the city to the ground, destroyed the culture, destroyed the infrastructure, family homes, jobs, the temple, the walls, the gates. And uh, at a certain point in about 50,000 of those Israelites had been able to go back to Jerusalem and they went back there with the express uh, commission, the express purpose of rebuilding the city, rebuilding the homes, rebuilding the temple, rebuilding businesses, and then ultimately at the end also rebuilding the wall because if they didn't rebuild the wall and fortify the wall, then they were just as vulnerable as they'd been when they first got taken captive by the Babylonians, and they had a lot of enemies, so they could have just got picked off by the next one, and the next one, and the next one. And, and they went at this rebuilding effort for 140 years. And at this point in history, Nehemiah's brother came to pay him a visit 1,500 kilometers away at the palace of the king of Persia. And Nehemiah said, hey, bro, how's the rebuilding going back in Jerusalem? And his brother said, you know what? Not so good. So we've been at it, but we just, we kind of, we've, we've kind of stalled out. I mean, the, the walls are still down. The gates aren't there. We're just as vulnerable as, as we ever have been. And, and that caused Nehemiah in that moment to just break down and cry. The, the shame, the, the sense of this is not God's best for us. And, and Nehemiah had this growing sense that, that not only should the Israelites no longer live like that, but that God had actually called him, was calling him to, to, to do something about that, to kind of insert himself into the story. And he started to cry. And, and from crying, he, he started to pray. And then eventually, after praying, there was a call to action where he actually stood up and he said, I am going to be somebody that God uses to go back to Jerusalem and, 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 and rebuild this wall. And so we've been asking the question from week one, what's something that makes you cry? And here's the deal. There's a lot of stuff that you can answer that with. There's a lot of needs around the world. There's a lot of stuff broken around the world. There's a lot of gaps around the world. There's a lot of walls down around the world. And when I say around the world, I mean like 200 meters away and right through to the other side of the world. There is so much. And we can't do something about everything, but we can do something about something. And so we're asking the question, what might that something be? And I want to just highlight one of the things that we have, as a church do. We've probably kept it on a, a, a much lower profile than we'd want in recent years. But I want to bring it to the, the, the front and center today. And it's what we call Elevate Global. Now, there's a lot of things, a lot of needs, a lot of... Uh, opportunities around the world that we could partner with and invest in. We've identified the uh, Philippines um, as an area of the world that God's called us to invest into. And we've partnered up with two strategic partner organizations, Compassion, which is probably the better known one. They're, they're known particularly for their work with child sponsorship, although that's not the only thing that we work with them on in the Philippines. And the other maybe lesser known one is an organization called Opportunity International, and we work with their Australian branch. And... Uh, let me just talk about Opportunity International very briefly. This brochure is available from our front desk. These are in our first-time guest packs, which when you came here for the first time, you got them, you read them, you memorized them, you didn't put them in recycling. I know all that's true, so you can go and pick it up from wherever you've safely stored it. Opportunity International, the thing that they do uh, in particular is microfinance, where uh, people in developing countries that they work in uh, can actually take out a, a small loan, something in the sort of ballpark of $100. 
uh, and actually use that to develop something, maybe their own small business or whatever it is, and they eventually pay that loan back, and then they can actually take out another loan and continue to expand. Essentially, it's about giving people in, the, in those countries a hand up, not a hand out. And uh, those, the monies that were borrowed and paid back, they then get lent again. So the money that we give them, which then becomes money that's loaned, gets endlessly recycled, which is just like, really is the gift that keeps on giving. And uh, so let me, let me give you an example of how this works. Let me introduce you to Marianne. Now, Marianne... She lives about three hours north of Manila in the Philippines, and uh, she runs a small family farm with her siblings. She recently uh, took out a loan through the partner organization with Opportunity International, um, and this is what she used the loan money for on her family farm with her siblings. She bought some fertilizer, which she couldn't have afforded otherwise, and that's increased the yields on the crops that they grow. Uh, she bought some piggies, that's them in the background, because uh, by buying pigs, they're no longer solely reliant on their crop yields that can vary from one year to the next and one season to the next. And they started to put in some irrigation around their family farm so that they're not solely at the mercy of uh, what can be fluctuating rainfall. And, and she's paid that loan back, and now she's thinking about taking out another loan that they can further uh, develop their family business and provide better housing and education um, for their family. So that's an example. It's something that made us cry and we sought out these two partner organizations and we asked them, what can we do to, to, to further your work in, the, in these areas? And uh, we've been doing that. So we do that, Louis and I, give to Elevate Global in addition to our first 10%. We give our first 10% here at Elevate Church and then we give an additional amount to uh, Elevate Global. And that might be something that you think, yeah, that, that, that's, that makes me cry. And I can do something about that. And so grab that brochure, pray about that, uh, and see if that's something that God wants you to take a next step into. And then week two, looking at Nehemiah, having stood and moved, it actually was time to do the work. And so he came up with a little uh, mission statement, a one sentence, this is what I feel God's called me to do. He went to his boss, the king of, of Persia, said, can I do this? Can I take a, a period of annual leave? And, and, if, and, and, and if you want to let me do that, here's some of the things I'm going to need. And so the king gave him everything that he asked for because he, he had this very clear plan. The king's like, hey, mate, you want my money? It's like a venture capitalist in Silicon Valley. You go with a great great app idea? Oh, I got this a great app idea. Uh, can you give us $100 million? The venture capitalist says, sure. What's the plan? And you go, huh? No, I just got an idea. No, no, great. That's a start. Now, what's the plan? Nehemiah had spent four months praying and strategizing and coming up with a plan. And so the king blessed him. And then he went about gathering people uh, with passion, people who'd been discouraged, people who'd been at this wall and, and building and failed for many, many decades, and he got them passionate. And when I taught this message, I got a couple of uh, pings from, from several of our team members. Uh, one of our team said, oh, that message, boy, a lot of people needed to hear that message this morning. And when I say a lot of people, I mean me. And I'm like, well, that's cool. I like that. Uh, another one of our team sent me, uh, you, your message inspired me to plan. And they sent me a photo of the plan that they'd written out and said, any feedback, uh, let me know. And that second one, the photo of the plan, uh, was Liz Newton. And uh, Liz, how about you come on up? And I want Liz to tell you a little bit about what she has felt called to, has felt to clarify, 
has come up with a plan. I have evidence on my phone. Uh, it's, it's, I can't read it. It's far too small for my pathetic eyesight. But um, Louis going to read it out to me during bedtime story tonight. Um, now, uh, Liz is running for council in, the, in our local city, city of Belmont, uh, running for council. And so tell us in Nehemiah, one sentence, why, I've allowed her to, uh, why you're running for council. Um, obviously, I feel that God's called me to run for council. Um, not the first time, it was the second time round. Um, but I also feel that he's well and truly prepared me for this. So I feel that I am gifted with administration and governance skills. And I've seen that in the preparation, in the jobs and the employment I've had over the years mm. and involvement in the local community and not-for-profit sector. Yeah. So I just feel that it's all still coming together. And, you know, I don't expect this to be the last stop in what he's planning for me, but it's definitely me the plan for now, I hope. Great. It's like, huh. I mean, like, this stuff is meant to be applied. And this is an example of what that might look like and what it looks like in Liz's case. Now, here we have a bunch of uh, people with a lot of disposable time on their hands. Uh, how might they, we, be able to support you in the lead up to the elections? Yeah, ultimately, um, I'd love your prayers. Um, I'm still looking for a mentor to actually help guide me that's been there and done it. Um, so that's one of my big passions to find a mentor and connect in. Someone's got a little bit of time to give back to me for that. Um, if you live locally in Belmont, I'd love your votes. Yeah, come on now. <laughs> and then I've already got a young team already to do the letter drops. Um, so I'm ready, already set for that. Great. Well, let's pray for Liz, Liz now, shall we? My name is Liz Newton and I approve of this message. <laughs> Father, we thank you for Liz. We thank you that she's listened to the call that you've placed on her life to step, take this next step towards uh, community leadership in this, in this opportunity to become a, a counselor and, and then who knows even more and what's to come beyond that. God, grant her favor, uh, clarity, energy, uh, determination, and bring, bring the right people around her that's going to help her uh, be uh, propelled into this incredible calling and opportunity that you've put before her in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Councillor Liz Newton. And last week we talked about week three, stand strong. Critics. When the good work goes down, opposition shows up. And if there's one thing that I can tell you in the words of the great prophet T-Swizz, the haters are going to hate, 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 and the players are going to play, 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 play. And if I think there's one thing we can learn from Nehemiah, the moral of the story is be a player, not a hater. And so while the haters were hate, hate, hating, Nehemiah was on the wall and he hadn't finished. They'd only half finished the walls and the haters were hating. And he, this is what he did. He didn't actually respond to the critics. He said, God, you take care of the critics. we got work to do. We're going to continue with the good work. And, 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 but the critics didn't let up. They continued the work. The critics didn't let up. And they kept yelling insults and putting doubt in their mind. And actually... The, the band of, of merry men and women and, and, and children that Nehemiah had rallied to be building this wall, they'd half finished it, and, and yet they started to listen to the critics instead of the voice of God, and they started to get discouraged. And Nehemiah did something that leaders, and, and even in our own spirit and our own life and our own family and our own friends, and, 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 and sometimes to ourselves, we have to reframe when we start to get discouraged. When we start to get a skewed perspective of reality, we have to reframe. 
And so Nehemiah turned to his, his fellow laborers and said, and I quote, Woe, we're halfway there. Woe, oh, living on a prayer. And, and in that moment, they, they heard the voice of God Bon Jovi speaking to them. And they go back doing the work. All right, if you've got our app, you can tap the Bible tile. It's going to take you straight through to uh, chapter 6. Uh, we've inserted Living on a Prayer and some background music there. So that's uh, for your listening pleasure. In the version that we've put in our app, it's the message version. This slice, chapter 6, has got a big, bold heading. The big, bold heading is the big takeaway, and it's a takeaway that God actually spoke to me about 15, 20 years ago as a life lesson, kind of engraved it on my brain. Don't like memorize these words and don't forget these words, and you'll see it right across the thing. And if I could encourage you to do one thing for your homework from this message today is memorize the heading of Nehemiah chapter 6. I'm doing a great work. I can't come down. I'm doing a great work. I can't come down. Here's how that played out. When word came to Sanballat and Tobiah and Geshub the Arab and the rest of our enemies that I'd rebuilt the wall and not a gap was left in it, though up to that time I'd not set the doors on the gates, Sanballat and Geshub sent me this message. Come, let us meet together in one of the villages on the plain of Ono. Now remember, these were people who'd been critics and now they've shifted their strategy. They were getting their people discouraged. And then Nehemiah riffed a bit of Bon Jovi, turned things around, got them back in the game. And then like, uh-huh, okay, the discouragement thing's not working for us. Let's shift gears. Let's shift tactics. And they shifted from discouragement to distraction. And here's the big idea. If the enemy can't discourage you, he'll try to distract you. And in that moment, the enemy tried to distract Nehemiah. And this is what Nehemiah, this is how he played the game with his enemies in terms of them trying to distract him. But they were scheming to harm me. So I sent a message to them with this reply. I'm carrying out a great project and cannot go down. Why should the work stop while I leave it and go down to listen to you and your critics? Four times, critics can be persistent. Four times, so on top of the first, they sent me the same message. And each time, I gave them the same answer. Here's a pro tip. Nehemiah was so clear about his calling. His calling was to finish the wall. Not to start the wall. Not to half build the wall. And in fact, by this stage, they'd finished the wall, but they hadn't put the gates on it. So he didn't finish the job that God had called him to. And what he did through this whole process, and he was still doing it now, he'd actually pre-decided some of his no's. When this invitation to meet them in the Valley of Ono came, he'd already had his answer prepared before the invitation even came. He pre-decided his no's based on his calling, based on his clarity. There's certain things he would say yes to, certain things he would say no to, regardless of who's asking, because he had a job to do, and that was to rebuild, finish the wall and the gates. Now, let me give you an example. 
I'll just use from my life, I'm not perfect at this, but I've learned this principle from Nehemiah and I've tried to and do try to put it into practice. I'll give you, so I'll use myself as the crash test dummy and your predetermined nose aren't gonna look and feel the same as my predetermined nose because your calling looks different from my calling. But if you've never considered what it might look like to have some predetermined nose and what you find yourself doing is, is umming and ahhing with every single uh, opportunity and threat and, and comment and criticism and, and, and should I or, or shouldn't I. If you can actually uh, simplify some of that by predetermining some of your nose, I'm telling you, it's a game changer. So here's an example. Uh, I do, uh, believe it or not, I do some preparation for these messages on a Sunday. And it's not as funny as it sounds. I know some people that are like, Sunday morning, now what do I feel like speaking about for half an hour today? I'm like, please, come on now. And I prioritize that on a Tuesday and a Thursday. So what that means for me is depending on where I'm up to in my message prep, if you want to meet with me, you, you, you're going to be able to meet with me on a Monday and a Wednesday. That's kind of up for grabs. I do administration stuff on Mondays and Wednesdays, and I'm very happy to leave that behind. Uh, but Tuesdays and Thursdays, my, my priority is message prep. And so if I'm not already kind of where I need to be with my message prep, and you want to meet with me, my answer is already no. My answer is already no. It's like, it's like it can be next week, but it can't be those days. If you invite me to something on a Saturday evening, my answer's already no. The exception of weddings, and even then I'm out the door by 9 p.m., whether you've done the speeches or cut the cake, I'm out the door. And, and, and I've actually received criticism for that. I've had some people say to me, you obviously don't like people. And I'm like, what? I'm like, the, the actual reason I say no is because Sunday morning for me, it's game day. And, and, I'm, and, and, and I'm, not the, I'm, I'm not the only player on the team, but I'm the captain coach. And, and if I kind of like drag myself in here, shoveling the eye crispies out of my eye because I've been tearing up the dance floor uh, at, at, at your party on a Saturday night, and I probably haven't even changed my undies because who's got the time and energy for that? And I go, oh, you here again. All right, all right, let's get this over with. It's actually because I love people and have a calling to do something that's unique in my space that I already have a no on a Saturday night. But I'm not saying you shouldn't go out on a Saturday night. But, but there's things, insert your calling as a filter to already having some no's. I'm committed, this is you, I'm going to put some words in your mouth now. I'm committed to giving the first 10% of what God blesses me with into Elevate Church. So no, I'm not going to waste money on that. You can see it. You can like it. You can even be tempted by it. But, but yes is not an option. I am committed to serving in my Elevate team. So no, I'm not coming to Sunday brunch. How many times do I have to tell you? Make it lunch and I'm good. This is you, not me. And the list would go on. But have some predetermined notes. So, so here's the thing. They came at him once and four more times. Nehemiah didn't spend any time or energy going, oh, hmm, 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 hmm. It was no, 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 no. But he didn't decide no in the moment. He decided no when he said yes 
to God sending him to finishing the job that he was called to do. Now, it's not going to be necessarily enemies. It could be friends. It could be family members. It could be opportunities that come your way. Here's the filter. It's not so much who's asking, but here's the filter as to whether it's yes or no. Will saying yes to that require me to come down off the wall? That's the filter. That's a great idea. Hmm. Let me run it through my filter. Will saying yes to that require me to come down from the wall, from what God's called me to do, from the priority? And if it's going to require me to come down from the wall, then it's easy. No. And one of the most powerful sentences that you can develop to give you a greater chance of reaching your destiny it's a whole sentence. It's real easy to remember. It's this. No. <laughs> no is a complete sentence. And one of the most useful skills that you will develop in order to see you ultimately not just do part of what God's called you to do, but see it right through to the finish is along the way have developed the skill the ability, the kahunis to be able to say to people, I'm doing a great work, I can't come down. AKA, no. And please, for the love of God, don't say maybe. <laughs> well, I don't want to disappoint them, so I said maybe. Yeah, no, you meant no. You didn't have the honor to say no. So you said maybe because you didn't want to disappoint them. And then you didn't show up anyway. But they catered for you because maybe you're going to come. No, now you've disappointed them. Anyway, I didn't even have that on my notes. That's, that's a whole nother. That's a whole nother. That's, that's going to be a series we're going to call Adulting 101. Coming to a church near you soon. Then, get this, then the fifth time, San Balat sent his aid with, uh, to me with the same message. In his hand was an unsealed letter which was written, it's reported among the nations, and Geshem says it's true, that you and the Jews are plotting to revolt, and therefore you're building the wall. Moreover, these report, according to these reports, you're about to become their king. All right, um, look, okay, I'm just getting warmed up, but here's the thing. All right, l read this. Look, this is the biggest screen, even bigger than, than your, um, your iPad. It is is reported among the nations. This is the message version. In the New Living Translation, that sentence, it is reported among the nations, is translated this. We heard a rumor. We heard a rumor. I'm telling you this because I love you. Gossip is low-altitude living. We heard a rumor. Oh, and, and, this is, and this is a little technique that some people who actually know that what they're saying is rubbish, they'll tell you that someone else believes it too. And Geshem says it's true. Just because someone believes it doesn't make it more true. We heard a rumor. 
So because I love this bit so much, I'm going to give you a two for, two for one. Two for one takeaway from this, from Nehemiah's playbook, when people come to you, critics, enemies, distractors, with the rumor. Number one, don't let the whispers of critics distract you from the call of God. You and I will never do big things by listening to small people. But I promised you a twofer. And here's, here's the second one. Don't be concerned about what people say about you. Be concerned about what's true about you. Did someone just lose their lunch over there? Who was that? That's good, huh? I just about lost my lunch writing that down on my iPad, man. You have no idea how I'm feeling right now. I'm just going to be... Anyway. Don't... Be so concerned about what people say about you. Be concerned about what's true about you. Because by the way, you can't control what people say about you. But you have a lot of control about what's true about you. And here's the thing. For me, instead of listening to what people say about me, I focus on what's true about me. And here's what happens. My friends, when they hear the rumor... They can say, because they know me, because distance creates distortion, but proximity invites perspective. They say, that's not true. You obviously don't know him very well. And they say, well, we don't we never even met the guy, but we heard a rumor. <laughs> don't be concerned about what other people say about you. Be concerned about what's true about you. Right? And here's the other part of that. The reason this, this is such a pro move, this is like the ultimate judo move. Nehemiah with judo. Here's, here's the other powerful part about this approach. Time and truth walk hand in hand. Time and truth Walk hand in hand. At the point that the morons are spreading the rumors, time and truth haven't yet connected, but they will. They'll get together because time and truth walk hand in hand. The rumors, the critics, the naysayers, the distractors, the discouragers, they will eventually be found to be wrong. So just let it go. Be concerned about what's true about you, not what people, with whatever their motives are, say about you. So I sent him this reply. <laughs> Nothing like what you are saying is happening. You're just making it up out of your head. Oh, the outrage brigade said you're offending me. No, I'm just disagreeing with you. That's not the same thing. They were all trying to frighten us, thinking their hands will be too weak for the work and I will not be completed, but I prayed now, strengthen my hands. Nehemiah didn't get more discouraged. He got more determined every time somebody came against him because he knew they weren't coming against him. They were coming against God and the calling God had placed on his life. Louis, my wife, we occasionally uh, talk, and uh, <laughs> recently, rec that's, that's, that's not a joke, uh, 
people that know us are like, yeah, okay, we've heard that rumor. Uh, we recently had a conversation, and uh, Louis kind of caught me up with, with her job and things that have been happening. I was like, you know what? Here's a great example of someone that's felt a calling and that's been on that journey, and it's been taking time, uh, and yet now it looks like the, the wall and the gates are going to be actually put together. And so I've asked Louis to come. Uh, and, and share that. She has a baby shower to get to, so she's incentivized to not talk over time. Well, we'll see. <laughs> um, <laughs> so about a year ago, well, actually longer than a year ago, um, I had moved to a particular school. I was at one school, and then I um, did relief at another school. And as I was on duty, which was kind of when you look after the kids during their break sessions, that they don't kill each other. Um, but they won't. Um, I was just kind of walking around and I felt this pop into my head, you're going to work at this school. And I was like, seriously, it's 35 minutes away. I ain't working at this school and I'm at a school that's 10 minutes away. Are you kidding me? So I kind of left it, ignored it anyway. But it still kind of kept coming, coming, coming. And finally, um, while I had done a few weeks of relief, I was offered just a contract, a short-term contract, because one of the other ladies was leaving. So I took over to teach year nines. Anyway, I was kind of doing what I was doing as normal and kind of about last year, mid-year, um, there was this opportunity to um, apply for a position that I probably, I knew I was qualified for, they probably didn't know that I was qualified for it, but it was to be ahead of year seven. So I, well actually it was to be like 2IC of a student services, which is our kind of um, health and wellbeing section of our school. Anyway, I didn't, um, I thought, oh stuff it, they don't really know me very well, I'm just kind of getting to know them, like my admin and stuff, but I thought, I'll just do it. I applied for the job but didn't get it. And I was a bit like, yeah, but I feel like I'm meant to do something in that arena. Like, I just know I am. Anyway, a week after, I got offered the position as head of year seven. So that's about 320 year sevens. Um, and I took that job. Anyway, so that was really exciting. With They were doing a restructure and there was an opportunity to reapply for that job. So remember, that job's already mine, okay? But you reapply for that job. Anyway... Reapplied for it at the end of last year because I really felt God say, you are going to work in this area. This is really important that you kind of keep your eyes and ears peeled and do this. Yeah, okay, cool, no worries. I applied for the job. I didn't get it. And I was like, seriously? Are you what? I actually didn't get it. But I'm really qualified for that, God. What are you talking about? I'm really good at that. I'm really like, what? And then, honestly, I kid you not, it was so clear to me and he said, did I not promise you? And I said, yeah, you did, but where is it then? It didn't happen. And now I'm back in the classroom, which, by the way, I love, but I just really felt you had told me that that's what was going to happen. Anyway, long story short, I thought, well, do you know what? And the, the person that ended up getting the job, I thought, do you know what? I can make this a good thing or I can make this a bad thing. They were really green, hadn't really done it before. And I thought, I'm not going to be one of these moaners and groaners. I'm actually going to be one that's going to celebrate. So I'm going to help them however I can. So whatever I can do, I'm going to help, support them, give them the opportunities, whatever. And anyway, we started to get to know each other. And they said to me one day, it was really interesting. They said, um, wouldn't you, because I don't understand you. And I said, what do you mean? And he goes, wouldn't you hate me? Like, wouldn't you just want to not see me succeed? Because I kind of have your job like isn't that and I said no I said my job and agenda is for these kids like I really don't care where I'm placed yet but I just know my influence is for these kids I want to see them improve and, and achieve and do what they can do and if I can do that I want to do that anyway for the whole year 
this is last year. Around this time last year, God had told me, you're going to work in that area. You're going to work at developing the mental health and well-being of students. You're going to do that. It didn't look like it was happening. But what I had to do was stay on the wall because I'm doing a good work. I'm not going to come down. And I just made sure that I was available whenever I had the opportunity. I would go into the area, support the kids, talk to the teachers, build strategies about how we can kind of have open dialogue where behaviour was not great. We were able to kind of strategize what we could do. And I just made sure that I was available and listening to God every step of the way. People were telling me, why are you stupid? Oh, why are you doing this? You're stupid. Dot. What dot is, is duties other than teachings and teachers have those but they're not teaching and they're actually meant to be doing work um, that might be marking or might be um, meeting with other parents or whatever. But every dot, so technically it's your free hour of the day to do whatever you want as such but I made my dot times available to go into student services because I was like I really want to just make sure I can contribute however I can and I was just doing that. Day in, day out, whenever I had a chance, I'd go and do that. And yes, it was probably to the detriment of me because I had to do marking and stuff at home. But I thought, I don't care. I'll just keep doing it because I felt called to do it. As time went on, the, the opportunities became larger. So I had a day in there and then two days in there, then three days in there. And it's just kind of when I was kind of dealing with really, really difficult students, like really difficult students... My job was I'm just going to pray because God knows them more than me. He knows what they need. So I'm going to make sure that I'm going to listen to what he's telling me to be able to talk with these kids and then kind of help translate that to teachers. And what was happening is they were seeing success and breakthrough happening with these kids. Now, I'm not saying that I was a hero. It was just I was called for such a time as that to be available to help these kids whenever they had these struggles or these difficulties or whatever and help kind of be that mediator translator. So one particular case that I've still got is a really, really big one. It's a really serious one. There's a lot of agencies involved and everything like that. But we're just managing to kind of get this child to come to school and just little dribs and drabs anyway. As a result of that, there was just a lot of kind of great feedback that I had received from various agencies and teachers and stuff. And it was kind of like the last thing that was before last week, literally to the year, literally to the year, I was caught in by my principals and they said, look, we can really see how much you contribute to the culture and the life of the school and we're seeing such great work happening happening with these students and staff are really benefiting, benefiting from these students changing the way that they are, that we would really like you to be back into that area full time. So... I'm still teaching differently but I'm literally full time in this emotional health and wellbeing section of our school. I say that to say... It, it was hard, it was difficult, it wasn't easy. There'd be times that I would say and question God's promise and truth and think, are you sure? And it took a whole year and it's not even really there yet. It's just till the end of the year. But my belief and trust is that still the promise is true today as it was when he told me a year ago, as before that, that my job was going to be to influence teenagers in this generation. So however that looks, whatever that seems to be, he just keeps guiding and showing me opportunities to do that. And can I encourage us as a church that at the end of the day, we're called for something. We absolutely are. Some of us are already stepped into it. Some of us are embarking on it. Some of us are not even understanding or knowing what it is. But can I encourage us that we actually have the guts and the ability and the opportunity and the um, maybe sometimes with trepidation, the idea to trust 
God and his pathway for us, that his hand is on our lives. He does want us to fulfill his promises because at the end of the day, by us stepping into what he's called us to do is incredibly effective for the kingdom. So we will have opportunities that are literally in front of us for the very reason of impacting lives for him. So that's why I love this series because it's really confirmed further that we're not just on this planet for no reason. We're here for a purpose, on purpose. I may have said that the wrong way. Do you know? Cool. Walls don't build themselves, people. How about you stand? And our music team are going to come. And we did this similarly last week. Uh, I want us to take a few minutes right now, very intentionally. Open up your heart, open up your mind. And I'm going to trust that in these few minutes together as we, we praise and we listen, that for those of us that have already started on the good work, that God would continue to encourage you to put new levels of faith and vision in your heart. For those of you that may be just getting going, that, that you understand that, that don't despise the day of small beginnings, that walls are built one brick, one stone at a time, and the first stone is just as important as the final stone. And for those of you that are still looking, still searching, still asking, we'll take this time to, to ask, God, I'm not sure what my calling is. I'm not sure what the great work is. And just allow Him just to nudge, just to nudge, just to nudge, just to nudge. Maybe you've been discouraged. Maybe you're getting distracted. Let this be a time to, to have God put new courage in you. Let, let this be a time for God to, to, to get you back on focus. I'm doing a great work. I can't come down. It's a privilege to play our part in all that God is doing in and through you. To find out what your next step could be or to partner with us to reach more and more people by giving financially, head to our website elevatechurch.me and download our Elevate Church AU app, available wherever you download your apps.